From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 710, Coronavirus Threats to Office 365 with guest Susan Bradley. Recorded Friday, June 19th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Uh, bringing back one of my most frequent guests, uh, Susan Bradley, who has been uh, patching since before the code red NIMDA days and remembers exactly where she was when the sequel Slammer hit, uh, which is a while ago. And first show with me when we're talking about small business server was 2008. Long time. Although, and the last time you were on, actually a funny story. You did two shows with me in 2018 and you recorded them in the opposite order they were published because... Uh, you and I, did, we talked about, with Wayne Small, we talked about the meltdown inspector issues. Correct. And in the middle of all of that, in between the time we recorded it, before I published it, you put out this letter about Windows Update. And I think I pinged you right away and said, uh, we should talk about this. And that became the Windows Update Crisis Show, uh, which came out in August of, of 2018. And then I actually published the Meltdown Spectre show like six weeks later. That was quite a show. That was 596 back in August of 2018, which seems like a, an eon ago. Um, I got a comment. I got a bunch of comments on that show, actually, a whole, a whole ton of them. But I, let me read this one to you. This is from Aaron, admittedly two years old. He goes, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect when I saw this pop up in my podcast feed. I hadn't heard anything. Thought it was maybe just preparatory. But boy, was I wrong. Listening, I was nodding to myself, thinking about past updates, and I know update pains well enough. What I was most impressed with is while there was certainly, quote, a tone, the discussion and, and at times debate was informative, measured, and thoughtful. Susan clearly understands the platform, the industry, and consumer needs. It was a great listen. Uh, so there you go. You know that. I remember that comment. Mm hmm. And, and Aaron, thanks so much for that comment. I'll send you out a Run As Radio mug. And if you'd like a Run As Radio mug, write a comment on the website at runasradio.com or on all the social medias too. I publish every show to Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, I'll send you a mug. Uh, I don't know that I ever told you this, Susan, but the week that that show published, I had a meeting with a certain executive vice president at Microsoft. Uh, for uh, a different topic entirely. We were working on something else, but that the show came up. And uh, and, and I said, you know, was there anything that Susan said that was wrong? Like, he disagreed? He goes, no, no, I just thought, you know, there was another way to tackle that. And I, and I suggested to him at the time, I said, give me the Windows update person to come on the show and talk through how Windows update's going to be better, how this problem's going to subside, and I will happily do that show. And if you look through my show catalog, you know, we just passed 700 episodes and that show has never happened. And I hate to say it that we've had a big, I know when you record this, so if this is a little bit later on, 
the time that we're recording this, we actually had a big issue with printing. Yeah. Yes, I know a lot of people don't print anymore, but there's a lot of businesses that do print. And we had a big issue where all of a sudden our PCL5 printers suddenly just stopped working. And we had to go out and get a hotfix from the Microsoft catalog to fix it. Um, I was very disappointed in this one as well because I actually happened to help a person back in uh, April and May who was hitting some issues with printing in the cumulative updates at that time. And I purposely went out and opened a support case to make sure that Microsoft saw it and saw the issue. And here we are in, in June of 2020 where we hit this big printing issue. So it's yeah. you know two years and I don't think things have changed, unfortunately. We still have people holding back on updates. Yeah, We still have people saying the best practice is to hold back. We still have Edbot just recently came out with a article about talking about the consumers or the beta testers, and that's not fair to them. You know, and we're, we're in this unusual situation too, where unfortunately, because of social media and headlines, one person can have an issue. And the way it evolves in the echo chamber is that everyone has this issue. And so therefore you shouldn't install, you know, windows. It's like, no guys, come on. You're, you're blowing this out of, out of proportion. Everyone is not going to be hit with this issue, but the way the communication is coming out, the way the information is coming out, I can't tell you, Richard, if you install this update, if you are personally going to be impacted by this. Yeah, this, it's hard to know. And that puts a lot of people in a, a awkward position because they don't know. Well, and, you, and you've got to put the business first. You know, you have to. Yeah, and you're, you're blindsiding people. Like, it didn't say in the release notes, by the way, we'll break PCL5 printers. Yes. You know, and, and it's just that we weren't doing our diligence. You get blindsided. And it's not like we don't have other things to do. Especially with COVID-19 and everything else going yeah. on at the same time. And, and you and yours are well? You've yes. You've gotten through this so far? I mean, it's far from over. but uh, We've been, we're in the Central Valley and I've been knock on wood lucky um, that it's, it is still increasing, but we're not like New York City or anything like yeah. that. Well, it seems like New York's turning a corner now too, although they're working hard. That's a lot of people in a very small space. It's very challenging right. and, uh, you know, and you have to use public transit. Like it's tough to get around. So I don't envy them either. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be in British Columbia where we've had a, a great, uh, team and, and great folks and, and people really helping each other and, and we're in pretty good shape, but I also feel lucky. It's not, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things was that we hadn't gone on spring break yet when the lockdown happened. You know, so many places had already got, were out on spring break as, as the pandemic hit. And so they brought it home and here the, the kids hadn't gone out and nobody was on vacation. And so, uh, they didn't go and, uh, you know, goodness knows how many cases that stopped. Uh, I appreciate the link to Ed Bott's article around the, this, the situation with the Windows 10 users. And, you know, the insiders were supposed to do this too, right? I mean, that was supposed to be the insider's job. It just doesn't seem like it's happening. Like I realize the machine I've got set up for the insider's build, I don't use that machine every day. I, I guess in some ways I just don't trust it. It's it's just a side machine. So it doesn't get real good shakedowns. And I'm not convinced that the insider program, insider program is more for future changes, future features, things like that. Mm -hmm. It's And especially if a change is introduced with a security update, a security update is in a different it's it's not tested out in the insider version. It's it's in the other. 
Yeah, so I'm a, a, I'm don't think the insider program is working the way that they sort of describe it or intend it to be. Correct. Yeah, for better or worse. Uh, what have you been focused on around the challenges during the the, the pandemic? Has it been has it been big work for you? Um, what I'm seeing, and and I'm sure you're seeing this too, is the impact as we've pivoted to more remote users, mm-hmm. as we've pivoted to different things occurring, as we've pivoted to, oh my gosh, what's the latest in the headlines today? The attackers have pivoted there as well. Hmm. They realize that we look at media and we look at Twitter and we look at Facebook and we look at all these places for our information and therefore they pivoted their attacks to social media as well and to emails that say, hey, you know, get your, your PPP equipment here or hey, you know, here's the latest on the COVID information. Right. So, and it was an interesting uh, research that was done. The number of attacks haven't changed. Mm-hmm. So it's the volume and level of attacks haven't changed. They've just pivoted to different topics. So during this time, they pivoted to focusing on COVID-19. Now, obviously, right now, COVID-19 is starting to decline. So already, the attackers, they're, you're seeing out there, they're pivoting to different topics like Black Lives Matter and the, um, all of the, the um, different political events going on and the different demonstrations going on. So they follow the news as well. They know our squishy points. Yeah. Um, and as I said the other day, I mean, one of the reasons that that I do feel that Windows 10 is a good thing um, is that it is a lot harder to attack it. Um, we honestly can take a little bit of time and hold back because I haven't seen a really juicy, warm, remote act, you know, zero day where something gets nailed immediately. Right. How attackers are coming in or what I call our squishy parts. Right. It's looking at the humans. It's attacking the humans. It's it's so social it's going, engineering. You have yes. to you have to poke at people's fears to do something they wouldn't normally do. Click on something they wouldn't normally click on. Correct. So there was a recent dark reading uh, article about how what COVID nineteen teaches us about social engineering, and social engineering is how they're coming to us. So that's one of the reasons why, especially with Office three sixty five. You really, really, really want to make sure that you do a couple of things. And you want to make sure that you have an email hygiene engine in front of it. Hopefully, you have the built-in ADP. Right. Um, And then the other thing that I would strongly recommend is turning on multi-factor authentication. Yeah. What a recurring theme. It's like now is when you see the power of MFA. And especially for those of us um, that have phones, um, you can actually, especially if you have the Microsoft 365 subscription, and you have at least a P1, uh, Azure P1, you can turn on the ability to do what's called whitelisting for the static IP of your address mm-hmm. so that people inside the firm, if there's somebody inside the firm that the only thing that they they access is firm email, they don't have a phone, they don't have any other outside access, you can set it up so that they don't get bothered with two-factor. So while they're inside the office, it says, fine, you're from a trusted site. Right. But especially for those people that are the road warriors that go outside that have phones and things like that, you want to make sure that you turn on two-factor authentication. Well, and especially everybody working from home, it's like, okay, you're going to see a lot more two-factor, but it's actually a confidence builder. It's like, we're checking for you. And especially, I mean, I literally saw it in my own environment. I mean, I've 
moved over to the Microsoft 365 platform within the last year, year and a half, something like that. Mm -hmm. The very minute I turned on Microsoft 365 and I turned on those mailboxes, I could see that there were outside attackers going after. So they were already trying to log in, try to guess the passwords. Wow. And if you've gone out to Troy's, um, uh, you got pwned their yes. website and ever gone through there and signed up for the domain notification when something gets that's owned, you'll notice how many times that your users' passwords are at risk. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that those are protected by something else. And then and MFA seems to be the way. Do you have any preferred MFA methods? What tech are you using? The I the one that I prefer the best is the Microsoft Authenticator app. Mm -hmm. So you set it up on the phone, you download it to the phone. Um, it allows you, and, and especially for those in the consultant space, um, it allows you to actually have that, that authenticator app on multiple phones. So in a perfect world, every single person should have their own authenticator and their own login, no matter what. We don't live in a perfect world. So there's times when you have to share credentials, especially to a global admin, mm -hmm. especially in the, in the, administrator world and the, and the consultant world. So the nice thing about the Microsoft Authenticator app and, and 365 is it allows you to share that. So you can go out to that, especially to the global admin account. You can go there and you can set up um, multiple Authenticator apps on the phone. So you can have, if, if you know, your employee Joe needs to get into that account, they can have the token. If I need to get in the account, I can also have the token at the same time. So while, while a large enterprise would probably roll over in their collective graves and go, what are you doing? The reality in the consultant space is sometimes you do have to share right. the ability to get in. And there, and there is solutions to that. And then, you know, and if you're doing password management and things like that, it's just not that hard after that collaboration is over to just change the password. Right. You know, make it go away. I'm, uh, uh, Satya Nadella was talking about, we've done two years of move to the cloud in two months. It also feels like we're pressing against all these security projects we meant to get fishin, fi finished. They were always tertiary. Now they're bumping up. Like we need to do this now. We're vulnerable now. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's not like we weren't thinking about this. We just never got around to it. And there was a bit of inertia. I mean, it was like, oh, everything's working fine. Mm -hmm. You know, why do we need to change? And now it's like you've had everything, you know, you had orders from governments that said, hey, you cannot do business as usual. You have to be remote. You have to work from home. Yeah. You have to provide resources. And, and you know, no business can go without funds. So they had to pivot. I mean, I've actually been amazed and quite... Um, just impressed by seeing small businesses to medium business, to even large businesses pivot and, and embrace the change. Right. And, you know, immediately go to alternate ways to deliver their services, alternate ways to deliver their items. I mean, the poor UPS and, and FedEx and post office guys probably don't like it right now. No, it's pretty hard. But I have been amazed at the number of ways that people have been able to keep the lights on and keep businesses going during this time. Yeah, it has, it's an interesting wave of innovation. And I'm going to interrupt one moment for this very important message. Your users are working remotely and the bad guys know it. New phishing attacks are already landing in the inboxes of your users. Are those computers as protected as they would be if they were on-premises? 
If their machine catches ransomware, how fast can you get it fixed? Don't be the IT admin who could have done something, but didn't. Block the badness and prevent business continuity problems at the source by using PolicyPack on your remote work Windows 10 machines. With PolicyPack, you get the power to manage applications and browsers on Windows 10, overcome application UAC prompts, block unknown where, dynamically configure the Windows 10 start screen, taskbar, and file association. As a bonus, you can use PolicyPack to deliver any real on-prem group policy and group policy preferences settings to your remote work machines for the security and configuration they need. Learn how thousands of other admins enhance their remote work scenarios. Come to policypack.com slash remote work to learn more. That's policypack.com slash remote work. PolicyPack, securing your standards. And listeners to this podcast are eligible to win a free copy of the Cybex Wiley book entitled MDM Fundamental Security and the Modern Desktop using Intune Autopilot in Azure to manage, deploy, and secure Windows 10 by Jeremy Moskowitz, Enterprise Mobility MVP. Simply pick Run As Radio in the dropdown when you visit policypack.com slash remote work. Good luck, and we hope you win. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Susan Bradley coming back for her 10th show and being part of my pandemic series as well, talking about the challenges of, of maintaining security with everyone working from home. Uh, are there specific things we should be doing with Office 365? I mean, MFA is certainly a good one, but uh, document security, like those kinds of issues. And I would suggest if you're not already on the Microsoft 365 business, I think it's now called, excuse me, they changed the name, can't keep up with it. Yeah. Business Premium now, I believe, is the... What I used to call Microsoft 365 Business is now, I believe, Microsoft 365 Business Premium. Okay. And it's not and Office 365. It is Microsoft 365 It's now. Microsoft 365. <laughs> the other thing that you need to evaluate is, you know, you can mix and match the 365 suites. So if you have somebody who is risky and is targeted, yes. um, you're... you're you know, C-suite people, you can buy the Uber suites, as I call it, the E5s that have the advanced threat protection. Um, and that also has the office suite that puts um, attachments into a uh, sandbox as well. So if you've got somebody in that high, high risk category, mix and match your, your 365 suites and have some on E5, have on some on E3, um, especially right now, you can evaluate who should be on the kiosk mm -hmm. versions. So do a mix and match of the suites that you have in the organization. If you are a security person that loves to have information, I highly recommend that you go out to the cyberthreatcoalition.org. They have a Slack channel where they share information on threats and risks and, and COVID links and uh, domains that are coming out that have COVID-related uh, themes and things like that. You can, depending on your, your firewall and your other infrastructure, uh, you can look to see if your vendors are already supporting that. Right. Or you can look to see if you can ingest those. Um, they actually have lists of the domains that are coming out that, that are COVID threat related, and you can actually ingest it into various different, you know, cloud firewalls, firewalls, things like that. Interesting. They also have awareness information. It, I find it um, very impactful that I can see what kinds of threats are out there and, you know, what, the, what the attackers are coming after. So then you can then turn around and communicate to your employees and say, Hey, keep an eye out for such and such. Yeah. These are the things that are currently going on. Like these are the fake emails. 
Uh, I did a show a few weeks ago with now Merrigan. We were talking about specifically that business email exploit that the black hats now are studying companies, figuring out who the leaders are and then learning to structure the email. So it looks like it's coming from them. So I really appreciate your sort of insight that because you can't, you, you, you know, you'd think you'd want E5 on everybody, but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So to, to E5, the folks that are the most likely targets is uh, cost effective, smart, uh, interesting challenge to, to get all of that right. And then just go back and reevaluate your re- working from home policies. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, I mean, you probably threw out a whole bunch of, of VPN software mm-hmm. and machines to take home. Now go back because many of the firms are actually going to still stay working from home for quite a long time. So reevaluate your policies. See if, um, for example, if maybe maybe you don't need to have remote printing for everybody. Right. So go back to your remote, you know, RDP access and, and shut that down. Um, make sure that the VPN solutions you're using are fully patched mm-hmm. early on there was a couple of vendors that had some VPN platforms that were out of date, had to wait for the clock to tick. Um, Early on, there were some VPN vendors that were vulnerable and out of date. And um, there were actually attacks going after them. Pulse VPN was one of them. So review what software you're using for your remote access and just tighten up and make sure that you're doing the best you can. I, mean, I talked to Richard Hicks way at the beginning of this too, the, the VPN god. It's hilarious when Microsoft people are saying, hey, you know where I go is Richard Hicks when it comes to VPN stuff. He was talking about split tunneling as well. It's yes. like, look, if you're in 365, you don't need to tunnel through the office for that. And that's a lot of that is getting the IT pros head around that. For mm-hmm. many, many years, it was like, oh, no, no, no. Split tunneling Never do split. You know, you can't do that. It's insecure. And it's like, no, no, no. Wait a sec. We're in a different world here. Yeah. Yeah. They say the, the, the old security guy struggles with that because we were told for so long that split tunneling was bad. But, when, you know, when you talk about a mature, the arguably the most secure endpoints out there in the form of Microsoft's infrastructure for this. You don't need to protect them. And and certainly going to take a lot of strain off the network to do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, any other tidbits? Like, do you feel like this story arc is sort of coming down? I mean, I don't think the pandemic anywhere near over, but we sort of hit a new phase now where the rush to get out of the office is over. I'm starting to have conversations with folks about going back into offices, at least part time at low density which is in, in, interesting that we're going to get into this sort of mixed state of some in, some out, sometimes. And then you have to get through, you have to look at the IT policies, look at, um, I know in especially larger offices where they can't do the social distancing, you may have to book um, locations. You mm-hmm. have to make sure that they have uh, cleaning solutions that will handle computers, especially for shared computers. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the hot desk solution is going to become more common. That because we're not all, if you're only in the office twice a week, do you really need a dedicated desk? Plus, a lot of those dedicated workspaces aren't sufficiently spaced. So, you're going right. to rebuild spaces that are correctly physically spaced, and then multiple people are going to use them. And buy stock in, in plexiglass. <laughs> if you can find any. Yes. You, you, that too. Yeah. I, I, I wonder when this does pass, you know, however long that is. If we're suddenly just going to see plexi, there's going to be a big business in plexiglass recycling. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's been really uh, insane. But I do feel like we're at a point now where we're optimizing. We're not just fighting the fire. We're now figuring out how do we stay fireproof. 
Um, the the authenticator piece. Uh, what about physical keys? If you are you a bunch of a UB key fan or FIDO keys in general? You and I still prefer the phone. Yeah, the authenticator everybody on has phone one. because it, everybody has a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the key I've I've been dabbling in in UB keys to sort of see you know how well does this work. Um, and it, it's got its pluses and minuses. It's great on the password manager. That the password manager has that extra layer of security, but then you got to get people onto password managing too. Exactly. Are you? Uh, do you have a preferred password manager? I still use LastPass in the yeah. office. I know there's been some issues about that, but I'm still a fan. Yeah, I'm a LastPass person too, and and you know, I I they had their own breach, but I think they coped with with it very well. And in the end, it, you know, whatever was breached was encrypted, so I don't know how valuable that was. But I realize now, after having used it for a while, not only can I not go back, but I have no idea what any of my passwords are. Like, they, yes. and I just change them routinely. Like, it's so trivial to change passwords now. You don't even think about that. It's just, it's interesting to be fully on that other side. Where a while ago, I was thinking I finished all the security challenges. Like, I don't have any same passwords anywhere anymore after years. I've, the one thing I've found I've been doing with LastPass that I never did before is it actually is a catalog of old accounts. I'm going and getting rid of accounts. That's like, well, I haven't touched that in years. It doesn't need to exist. It needs to go away. I, I don't know that, you know, I'm an IT guy. You're an IT person as well. I don't know that we can get regular users to this place. Like, I think that's a challenge. Agreed. And I'm struggling that with myself. I mean, there's there's times when, well, even my home situation, mm-hmm. I'm the password wrangler for my dad. Right. <laughs> and sometimes my sister. So, yes. I yeah. mean, Microsoft keeps saying that they're going to get rid of passwords. And I'm like, eh, well, we're going to have them for a while. I've done the shows. I've done the password list stuff. But it's it just seems so tenuous right now. It's not enough that we can actually have confidence to, that you wouldn't have a password. Yeah, hard hard solutions to actually go into. Yes. Uh, where where else do you want to go on this? It's a great subject and and very challenging. And I think it just being aware of the risks out there. Mm-hmm. Again, I cannot stress this enough. Look at your office suites. That's where the business email compromise is. How the attackers are coming in. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress this enough of reevaluate. Not everybody needs the same tools. Not yeah. everybody needs the same office suite. I, uh, and I, not, everybody, not everybody needs the same security software. Again, on that Microsoft 365 E5, you get the advanced threat protection. You get the console that you can actually see what's going on with the person's platform. Yeah. You know, the, it actually shows you. I literally did this to myself the other day. I was trying to get down... Um, th- there's a, a piece of software called Bloodhound that um, analyzes your Active Directory and sees how attackers can can look at your firm. Interesting. And there's this extra tool that you have to download and run in your firm. And so when I brought it down on my workstation that has advanced threat protection on it, it freaked out, of course, and said, I'm sorry, that's that's malware. And of course, then I now get a nice pretty little console of how user Susan brought this in and what it tried to do. Um, so <laughs> if you are have a situation where you do need to analyze how something comes into the firm, I cannot stress enough that ADP really helps. They have consoles that talk about uh, threats that are out there. They follow the MITRE, if you're not familiar with that, 
MITRE is a, a um, MITRE is an attack framework, M-I-T-R-E, A-T-T, ampersand C-K. And it's really good um, for understanding like how they come in. And then you should flip it and look to say, okay, this is how they come in. What can I do to counter how they're yeah. coming in? Are my vulnerable to these approaches? Like, would they yes. have gotten in if they poked me that way? And, and you should always think in terms of, you know, when you, whenever you read a story about something occurring, just the other day, there was Honda and ransomware. Mm-hmm. And you read, because Bruce had a write-up on it, and you read like how they potentially came in. Always think in terms of, of not exactly the details of what exactly they used to get in, but think in terms of the process. Yes. How did they figure this out? Did they come in via email? What do I have to better protect for that? Did they then use PowerShell to do lateral movement? Mm -hmm. Did they use, um, did they go after the same local administrator, you know, password throughout the firm, speaking of passwords. Um, So did they use lateral movement to get to the, to the network like that? So think in terms of, what the attacker did and what processes you have to protect yourself from that event. Yeah. The, it, and if you're counting on, if the your only line of defense is the discipline of your users, you are awfully vulnerable. Yes. Users make mistakes. We all do. And just to be clear, Bloodhound, not a piece of malware, right? It just triggered it's a, ATP. Yes, it's a, it's a pen testing slash tool that, Yes, attackers will use, but you should also use yourself right. to see how others see you. You should see, you should do it so you can see how the attacker is going to look at you and see where your squishy parts are. Yeah, that's a very famous uh, Troy Hunt talk, right? Hack yourself. Yes. Use the same freely downloadable tools to to poke your own vulnerabilities, preferably not with an admin account. <laughs> yes. But it's interesting that that triggered ATP. Were you able to use it in the end? Like ATP obviously triggered. No, I actually, I actually had to go to a Windows 7 machine and, and download it over there. I couldn't bring it in on my machine. Wow. All right. So it was, it was fully protecting you from you. Yes. That's very interesting, you know, and it's interesting you still had a Win7 machine somewhere to, to, to tinker with. I do have it. It is purchased with the, the ESU keys, so it's fully patched. Okay. As patched as it's going to be. Yes. But yeah, that's really interesting. And Bloodhound's an interesting tool just in terms of, you know, you talk about being able to explore people's rights inside of AD, just the kind of information a hacker would want to have. Exactly. Scary times. And uh, I appreciate the Cyber Threat Coalition too, because they are uh, that weekly advisory to saying, this is what the Black Hats are doing today. Day in, day out uh, pressures. Well, I'm glad you're well, and I appreciate your insights here, Susan. What's uh, coming up for you? Obviously, no conferences. We are going to be doing some virtual conferences. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I'm pr- doing a tech talk um, coming up in July. I will have to send you the link on that. Please. I'm going to talk about business email compromise. Mm-hmm. It's um, And then I'm going to be doing uh, another one in November, also virtual. So Yeah, just anticipating. Well, Microsoft said no in-person. They're not going to do any in-person events yep. until July of next year, 2021. So I think we're just sort of anticipating whether or not we're going to be able to do anything in person in the fall. But uh, yeah, hard to know. Well, great to chat with you again. Appreciate the insight here. Great list of links to all sorts of tools we can take a look at and, and sort of thinking about how well are we protecting our folks when they're working remotely and, uh, and working in the cloud. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. <laughs>